Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. I'm your host, Lexi, and today our guest is David Abramson with Compass Real Estate. Welcome, David. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me on. I know we can't really see each other, but I'm like talking into this cool, cool microphone right now. So I feel really like honored to be here. This is really cool. Of course. So I always like to get things started with a little bit of an icebreaker. So I'm going to ask you, tell me two truths and a lie about yourself. It can be anything. And I'm going to try to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Um, hard one to kind of come up with and I'm, I don't have anything in front of me to figure this out. So two truths and a lie. Um, I've worked with a famous athlete before. I grew up in New York and I went to college at Towson. I'm going to say you grew up in New York is a lie. It, that Correct. I'm, <laughs> I'm a local. I'm a local Montgomery County kid. So I lived, lived here my whole life. Awesome. So I won't tell you what athlete I've worked with, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, I went to school in Towson in Baltimore, so I've kind of been a local kid local. my whole life. Yeah, completely local. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations on working with the athlete. I'm sure it was a good, a good house. I you imagine. know, every client's a good one. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Um, so let's get started on a positive note. Tell me something good that's happening right now in your life. Um, life is good. You know, everyone can kind of get this feeling, especially in our industry in real estate, like you're running around nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful I'm running around nonstop, which means I have clients, you know, and you don't, you never want to not have clients or not feel like you're busy. So even though I'm very buyer heavy right now, you know, I'm happy to be showing them around and, and not, not personally having to buy a house right now, but like knowing what people are going through, you know, it's a good thing to, to be busy right now. Right. So just overall staying busy is I'm sure in a lot of ways, you know, you're blessed in that sense because I know some people are. They're busy, but maybe not as much as they'd like to be right now, since it is such a hard time to try to find houses for people. Sure. I mean, busy is like, I mean, you just want to go through the, the, you know, responses every time. So it's like, okay, I'm going to respond to my clients and then I'm going to shut up showings and I'm going to just make sure to be positive with everything. And at some point, just like a dam, like you're going to keep doing all these showings Mm -hmm. and then eventually it's just going to break through and then, you know, all, all your clients will be happy at the end of the day. pays off. Exactly. You know, keep, keep sticking to the plan. Right. So you said you grew up in this area. Um, how did you end up being a real estate agent? Like what's your story? How'd you get here? Um, that's boring. No. Um, (laughs) I've been in real estate for 12 years now, okay. and my this is my second job out of college that I've had. So my first job, I worked for a big branding company, marketing, advertising, and a lot of my clients were in the mixed use, you know, like corporate, commercial, retail side of real estate. But that also involved condos, apartment buildings, and I really liked seeing the marketing side of everything, which intrigued me more to get into residential real estate. And at the time, I was looking for a job shift. I loved what I did, but the hours weren't really equating to, you know, what I was putting into it. I wasn't getting out of it. And I said, I want to work for myself. I want to be out, not in an office, and working with people. And I just decided one day, I said, I'm going to get my real estate license in, this is 2010. So we're talking like the market is down you know, sellers are begging buyers, like the exact opposite market that we're in right now is when I started. And 
my parents were like, you're a W-2 employee, like you got a good salary, you have benefits, and you're going to go to be self-employed and like not knowing when you're going to get paid next. And I'm like, yeah. Sounds fun, right? And they're like, great. They're like, oh, okay. And they're like, well, we don't really, we, we don't see, we don't want you to do this, but 10 years, 12 years later, like I'm kind of like, if I can do it now and I have like minimal bills, minimal overhead, like let's fail young. And if I fail young, great. And like a lot of your other guests are saying like 90% of agents fail after, you know, two years or less than two years in the business. But when I started at 25, I decided if I'm going to do it, let's do it now. And, you know, it's been, you know, a blessing ever since. That's awesome. So what were those first two years like for you? I mean, especially with that type of market, you're new, you're young, you're not really sure yet what to do. Like, what would you say got you over that two-year hump to allow you to keep, you know, proceeding to where you're at? Always believe in yourself. Always want to learn. Even now, you're still learning every single day how different things work or nuances. But having an open mindset to everything and also, like, never saying no to opportunities. So there are some agents who wouldn't work outside of the beltway or and they'd say hey here's a referral do you want to take these people and they're an hour away and as a new agent i'm like sure i'll drive an hour away for a client you know some of these agents didn't want these like 200 or 300,000 dollar townhouses an hour away i was more than happy to take them as clients and give a referral fee out or sit through trainings when I was a new agent, just to learn the contracts, familiarize myself with everything, write fake contracts as if like I had a buyer looking for these houses. But when I got to the point of actually writing the contracts for my buyers, I knew exactly what to do. So my clients felt like they were getting, you know, this full, really good seasoned agent. Right. So not picking and choosing what maybe at that time you wanted to do, but just doing all of the things to set yourself up to make sure you're, you know, you're going all in with whatever it is that you're doing. Absolutely. And I felt like I had I had to go 100% in. And it wasn't like, you know, hey, you're starting out in real estate. You know, some people have to get part-time jobs or they have to, like, have supplemental income before they start making money. I decided I'm going to really commit to this for a full year. And after a full year, if I can't, if, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But luckily, you know, we're 12 years later, we're, here, we're here I am. I'm on a podcast with <laughs> yeah, ProTech, so it worked out. You made it. <laughs> Finally, yeah, ProTech, ProTech uh, podcast, I made it. Yeah, that's right. That's how you know. Um, where would you say most of your business comes from? Like what sets you apart as an agent? Well, most of my business comes from referral. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's rinse and repeat. So I have clients, clients think I do a great job, they're going to recommend me to their friends. And, you know, after 12 years of doing this, it kind of keeps stacking up. So the more clients that you have, the more friends that they have, and the more people that they refer you to. And so my whole thought is, you know, family, always going to be there for you. Friends, will always be there for you. And then it's your clients that maybe aren't family and friends that you just add to this big bubble that you have. Mm -hmm. And so what I always wanted to do is say to myself, like, treat this like you're a politician and not like the bad kind, but like the good kind. Like you're going to shake hands and kiss babies and maybe not so much the kissing babies thing, but you you get it. Like you want to make sure that like every agent wants to work with you, especially in this market when you're dealing with multiple offers. If, If you've if you know another agent on the other side and your offer is really good, like that agent might fight for you because they're like, hey, we know David's a good person. We know he's a great agent. 
um, we want to work with them. So like be the politician between your clients and the agents and everything so that everyone wants to work with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not like a fake, uh, sorry to cut you off, but it's not like a fake thing. Like that's the big difference. Like you're not like doing one thing in front of everybody and then being a different person behind the scenes. I'm kind of like what you see is what you get. Well, and I think it, it boils down to just doing a good job and really working the network, not just like, okay, the client in front of me, but I love what you're saying about like other real estate agents, you know, maybe in certain times it's not as, as important to network and be that, you know, friends with all the other agents. But when you're in markets like this, where it really does make that difference to have those different relationships and connections with people, it, it goes a long way. Sure. I mean, I, I just lost an offer and they, whether you're second, the first loser or you're the 10th the loser in the offers, the agent called me and she goes, I really wanted to work with you. But she's like, at some point, a dollar amount makes a big difference to right. a seller. But knowing that this agent was at least willing to fight for my buyers and their contract with their sellers, like you never know. It could be a difference of 5000 or $10,000. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you just kind of going a little bit outside of work? What do you like to do aside from running around with your buyers and doing all your real estate stuff? I mean, that's, that's the only thing I do. That's all you do. Uh, that's all I do. <laughs> eat, eat, sleep and breathe. Um, you know, I love going out and being active. I have two kids that keep me really busy and a wife that keeps me busy and they're young. I mean, but there's still sports and everything. I love going to my kids' sporting events or my daughter does dance and love being active with them and then just trying to stay active, you know, gym, uh, fitness, trying to travel if uh, now it's kind of loosening up a little bit, but just, you know, having fun and enjoying life. Sometimes I think I get personally caught up in every morning there's new listings and I have to be on top of it for my clients, but you also have to recharge your batteries. You have to like do stuff for your mental sanity or else you get completely burned out. Mm -hmm. So some days it's, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to block off my two hours at the gym or, Hey, I'm going to plan a vacation. So I know I have to take this time off. And that way it's like your way to recharge your batteries. Yeah. Definitely finding that balance. Do you have any fun vacations, family vacations coming up this year? Uh, Since my kids aren't listening to this, like we're, we're going to Disney in a month and they don't know about it yet. They don't know. I'm trying. They've been before, but we've always kind of told them and I'm hoping to keep it under wraps like, like right all the way until like all the way like we're gonna okay. be somewhere else in florida and we're driving like two hours so i'm i'm hoping you know we're just gonna keep driving and not tell them and they're gonna see the signs that's and amazing. and completely freak out yeah i'm hoping for that i always like thought that was a cool thing yeah. and i was new as a kid i was going away somewhere but i was like how cool would it be if you just showed up at yeah <laughs> and they're just the the look on their faces so i'm, I'm hoping i can keep it under wraps yeah but yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that's that. That's awesome. So that's soon, right? Uh, May. Yeah, May. May. Wow. So the, the whole thought is as a realtor, and, and if there's realtors listening to this, you can probably agree. But when you book a vacation or book anything that you're going to be away, it's it's when you get the busiest ever. Oh, so yeah. if, if you're never, if you're not busy right now and you're like, ooh, like I lost out on deals or why am I not so busy? Just book a vacation because you're just going to get completely slammed with uh, clients. So I'm busy right now, knock on wood, but you know, knowing I have a vacation in like three weeks, I'm like, okay, what, what's, what, are we, really busy. what are we bracing for? So it's all about like planning and preparing before that. Yeah, that's awesome. I've actually heard that several times from people. It's like anytime I'm like sitting on the beach is when like 5,000 things happen with my business. Never fails. Like, 
you know, it's like a good thing, but also you're trying to take some time away. My, my wife gets it and, and she's, we've been together since I started in real estate. So she's seen the very beginning of this and, and where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And we'll be on family vacations on the beach in the summer. And I get a phone call and I have to like leave. I'm like, I'm going to the Starbucks because I need Wi-Fi yeah. to get this contract out. And it's just, it's the name of the it's game. Life. Like fortunately, like we've made a great life for ourselves, but it's, it comes with like, hey, I have to leave a beach to get a contract out the door. And but for that contract, I can be back at the beach in a couple more months. Exactly. And you know what? A lot of this stuff, as long as we're not showing houses kind of thing, like I have people in place while I'm away on vacation, but certain clients are going to call you and you want to be able to answer your phone. Right. So when clients need something, they know, you know they're going to be able to reach me. Absolutely. What would you say your craziest, craziest experience has been as a real estate agent? You got 12 years to pick 12, from. 12 years. So I've listened to a bunch of these podcasts because I've heard a lot of friends and other realtors on this. Um, there's a lot of like people walking in on people before, mm-hmm. um, which has happened to me. I mean, I think we've all walked in on this. I've had um, a couple crazy experiences Uh one that comes to mind right away is I was at my daughter's birthday party years ago and it's my, my kid's birthday party and I get a phone call, like three phone calls in a row and I'm going to ignore it. It's my kid's birthday party and I finally decide, let's answer the phone and it's the police and they said, we got, um, we got a warning that someone broke into your house. So I had a vacant property that investors purchased and squatters broke into the house and had like a huge party in this house. And I had to go, my, I called my client and my client just happens to be out away on vacation and he's, you know, skiing somewhere. And he goes, do you mind going to take a look at this for me? And I said, sure, let's go ahead. I'd love nothing more. I'm not going to walk in this house. So I had to call the police when I got to the house and I had an escort because I don't know like if I'm walking into a house with squatters or what's happening. Right. And they broke the window. They they were homeless pe- people looking for warmth because it was the winter time. The heat was cranked up to like ninety degrees in the house, and they were fall. They were asleep in the house. So police escorted me in. I'm behind there. I'm behind police. Like police have guns yeah. like drawn just in case they're going in anything. I'm like, am I okay behind you? And they're like, yeah, you're you're safest behind us. So I'm like, okay. And like we found two people squatting like asleep. There was, you know, there was paraphernalia stuff all over the house like had to clean it up and everything we sold that house good yeah it sold um but it was like that was one of the craziest things when you have to like call police to have you come in and like you with the situation yeah Yeah. and that's that's happened twice to me where i've had to like have police called for squatters so a lot of times you see these these investment properties and people look at them and say they're empty like right. no one's no one's home, so we're gonna try to like break in, and especially in the winter time, people want like uh, shelter, mm. and so it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's scary too. Yeah, you never know what you're walking never into. never know what you're walking into. Ugh. So yeah. pretty wild stuff. It's always it's always like crazy. There's been a couple stories of like animals and stuff, but it's usually always like whether it's like walking in on like the sellers didn't know you're coming or like squatters. I've heard a couple stories. Sure. Of like people that you know they're like sleeping in the bed. Like back when I started, when I started in real estate, like. I would go to Prince George's County a lot. Like some of the, some of these agents would refer me Prince George's County. I'm like, sure, I'll drive here, like referrals. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, 2011, there was like a ton of foreclosures. And so these houses were sitting vacant for months, sometimes years. 
And I had some investors looking over there and we'd open the door and walk in and houses from head to toe were covered in mold because the basement's flooded. And I'm talking like three or five feet of water. Like the entire basement was like full of water and it's been sitting for that long. And so there's like mold upstairs in the attic and like we started buying uh, those like respirators. Like before like not even N95 masks, like the one like, cool. yeah. yeah, like Breaking Bad style yeah. masks. And so we used to walk into houses and we didn't know what you we were walking into. And he saw like the the most disgusting houses. Have and, you like, ever had one of your like investor clients buy a house that was that bad? Like, where do you start? Not that bad. Like that's like a complete like gut yeah. to like internally studs and everything like that. I'm, I'm sure some investors bought it, but... My clients were looking for like the easier like cosmetic Little fix and DIY. flips. Yeah, yeah, like we saw Chip and Chip and Joe, like they make it look easy. Yeah. That's the craziest part is is what I try to do. Like I have a family that's all been in real estate of some form. Like my brother owns his own mortgage brokerage. Mm-hmm. My dad's a general contractor. My brother works for a construction company. So like we all kind of ended up in the same field. But when you kind of see things wrong with houses you know, having a dad who grew up fixing all these things and doing everything, it's like, what, what can I give to my clients to saying like, this is, this is a big red flag issue. And this is like, Hey, this is cosmetic stuff. It's fixable. It's not ideally what you want to do, but that's, that's the crazy stuff you see in this market is I like to give my clients this advice of, Hey, here's like it's not scary, but like you're it's a house. You're going to have to fix things. I mean, right. you guys with inspections, when one of the protech inspectors comes out and looks at a house, they're gonna give you like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. You just pretty much wanna know what you're walking into and feel comfortable with it. Right. Some clients aren't comfortable changing a toilet, like little things or changing a faucet. And other clients are like, hey, like we have to fix the foundation. Not a big deal. Like you just what I like to do is I like to give my clients all the information mm-hmm. and either talk them off the ledge sometimes of saying like, hey, you know, replacing a faucet isn't the biggest deal in the world. Or, hey, we're walking away from this house because we found a buried oil tank in the backyard that the sellers weren't even aware of. And so having an inspector come into a house like ProTech is great because it's, it's just scary. You're spending a lot of money on these houses and you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And so, especially in this market. Uh, Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, luckily we're connected with a lot of other inspectors like around the country and we're lucky enough that in like the DC market, it's very common to have pre-offer inspections. Like that's not a new thing. It's I mean, the new. It's the new norm. Yeah, it's way more. It's way more accelerated. There's a lot more of them, but it's not a new concept. Like people have always kind of, you know, sellers agents have been open to allowing that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, in other parts of the country, it's like it's not a like it's not allowed. Like this, you know, the listing agents are like, no, no, no one in the house. You know, whether you're gonna you're either gonna buy it or you're not, kind of thing. Sure. And so it's that's even scarier, where you have to make that decision without you know make the decision to even put the contract in without knowing exactly what's going on because that's the only option you have because there's ten other people in line who will do that. This is this is. Um... This is not a paid advertisement for ProTech, uh, but it's ProTech's podcast. So ProTech did a walk and talk inspection for buyers of mine. Mm-hmm. And the house looked really nice. Like aesthetically, it was a really nice looking house, fully redone. And my buyers were like, great, we're, we don't need to do an inspection. And I was like, we have to do an inspection. Like I, you're spending over a million dollars on this house, not knowing if there's any major issues or anything. 
And so we did a walk and talk inspection and halfway through, we didn't even finish the entire inspection. Halfway through, we walked away. Wow. And there was, you know, over $100,000 worth of things that we found in, in a matter of 20 to 30 minutes that either another buyer didn't find or another buyer's inspector didn't find. And I said to them at that point, I said, you have to spend minimum this much money in the house the second you buy it. And they said no. And that house sold for like over $100,000 over asking. And it's scary. And you don't want, like I, I have this, uh, I have empathy for a lot of clients. Like you don't want to say like you would personally have empathy, but like I feel for them. Like I feel for people. And I don't want someone to buy a house and they're spending all this money that they're saving up for to buy this house only to have to then do a ton more work to it when you think like it's already been redone. And so I, I like that you guys offer these walk and talk inspections where buyers can waive the inspection if they're okay with everything, but still feel comfortable knowing what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, I think that makes such a good, great point. I mean, whether you're going to do a walk and talk and that's the best option, right? Before you financially invest in the house. But, you know, some people have chose not to even do that. But what they'll do is they'll have us come in afterwards for like a post-closing inspection, which is still great. But then you look like the bad guy or or I look like the bad guy. And then you're like, oh, you know, I hope you don't regret buying this home. And a lot of times people do, but you know, it's just, it's a matter of navigating, you know, and it is good that, you know, agents like you and, and just this area, I think in general, most people are really good about at least getting some set of eyes on the property to know what you're walking into. You have to. Yeah. I mean, you you have to. And and some buyers in this market, like, you know, hopefully we're seeing things shift and change and we don't have that crystal ball to see what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. But just try to protect or give as much information. Right. You know, at the end of the day, your buyers or my buyers are buying the house, but it's up to me to make sure that they have all the information they possibly could want to make the best decision for them moving forward. Good point. Um, so what would you say you love the most about what you do? I can tell you just love all of it. And it seems like you like working a lot with buyers, but what's like your favorite thing about, about your I mean, right now I like working with sellers more than buyers okay. because it's a seller's market. Yeah. I mean, you put a house on the market. I mean, as long as it's really not falling down, maybe sometimes it could be falling down, you're going to find buyers for it. Um, what do I really like most about this business is being able to talk to people, like being able to be a part of someone's life decisions. You know, you're, you're helping them find their next house or you're helping them sell a house. Or sometimes it's like a not so fun life event where like a relative passed away and you have to like deal with all that. You walk them through their different parts of life and you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you, makes me feel happy when I can see how, how happy my buyers are that they bought their forever home or that I helped you know, the parents downsize or even like clients that are getting married next month, buying their first house and like they're getting ready to start their life and have kids. And I get to see when they call me back and they're like, we, we like are out of space. We need a bigger house. And it's like, great. Like I love, I love seeing that and being just a little part of people's lives. Mm -hmm. That makes me happy. And then the flexibility, like you're your own boss. Like I don't have to sit in an office. I can decide on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock is my gym time. I want to go to the gym. Or I want to be able to pick my kids up at three o'clock after school. Like how many parents can say like, oh, like I can make sure I'm available for like all their sporting events. Or if they have something going on at school or to volunteer or just to help out, be present in my kid's life. Because 
everyone tells you this when you have kids and like like your older generation, they're like, it goes so fast. And you start to see it and you're like, I want to try to cherish as much of this. So just being having a flexible job that allows me to have a work and life balance is is the best thing. Like go to Disneyland. Go to Disney. And be able to still answer your phone at the Starbucks. Absolutely. Right? Like I'm all like you're always working. Right. Like I think and and people look at the real estate profession and they'll look and sometimes they'll see like, hey, you make good money. You make a lot of money. Like I'm always available. Like you're paying for my access to be 24 seven. I don't shut my phone off. I don't like delay responding to text messages. Like a lot of times if I'm getting those messages, sometimes they're, they're not the most urgent ones, but I'm always responsive. And that's what you're getting is you're getting that like, you know, communication, you're getting my expertise. You know, someone once said, you know, you pay a plumber to come out to fix a job and they charge you $500, but it was a $1 part. And I'm like, sure, you charged $1 for the part, but it was $499 to know how to fix that part in 10 seconds. And after doing this for, for 12 years, I like to think I'm refining myself to that point where you're, you're paying for my knowledge of this over 12 years. Mm -hmm. And real estate, you could hire any realtor to do it, but like, are they going to make sure you do a pre-inspection? Are they going to make sure you're protected? Are you going to go through the whole process of explaining it? And I love educating it because if you can educate your clients on numbers and how everything works, it makes them feel more comfortable too. So if they're saying, we don't want to spend more than 500,000 on a house, but it, it's going to cost 550, let's talk about it right. and then say like, oh, we really love this house and let's go for it because now that we've really thought about this because you're, you're in such a rushed market right now mm -hmm. where you feel like I have to see it one time. I get to see a house for 30 minutes and then I have to make a decision if I'm going to buy this house and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like that, that doesn't really feel, feel good. Feel good. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's late night conversations. It's, it's standing outside in the rain of a house and talking to clients and saying like, here's what I think about this and just listening to what they're saying and, you know, giving, giving recommendations and just making sure your clients know that you care. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, here's an offer. We're writing it. We're submitting it. Hey, by the way, we didn't get this offer On to the next one. It's, right. it's showing that there's a level of like care and empathy for your clients. Yeah. Listening to what exactly they want. And everyone's different. Yeah. Everybody's different. No, you don't know everyone's story and, and everyone's a little bit different every single time. So just because you want to buy a house, like, do you know how to change a filter on your furnace? Right. Like, do you know how to do this? Or, or let me help you help tell you what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And it's those little things like from that to, oh my gosh, we have a flood in our basement right now. Who do we call? Like I get those phone calls right. and I'm like, call a plumber. Like, but they're like, who do we call? And so I'm, I try to be that like person of all knowledge for my clients. Mm -hmm. And here's who you need to call. And here's how I can help you. And, and being able to impose what I've known and what I've learned onto my clients gives them the comfort of like, we're, we're One point of contact. Exactly. Yeah. So I get, I get calls 10 years later from some clients and they're like, who do we, who do you know that does this? And I'm like, I, it's an, it's a name in two seconds. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's nice. It's a good feeling to be able to give that back to clients. Yeah. Awesome. What would you, uh, what kind of words of advice would you give our listeners about real estate? And this could be to, you know, the general public of people who may be thinking of buying and selling. It could be to other real estate agents, a little bit of both. It's like a two part question. Um, for buyers, for buyers in this market, it's, 
again, like I said, be patient, make a conscious decision. Don't, I've been preaching this. Don't feel like you're winning. Like you don't want to win. Like everyone's in this like, oh, I won this offer. But I'm like, did you really win? And are you going to have this like buyer's remorse six or 12 months or 18 months down the line? Like, oh, like why, why did we buy this house? And they're questioning this. So I'm like, make, try to make the best decision for yourself, but don't get caught up in this bidding war. You know, we won game, like make sure you're making the right decision for yourselves. As, as realtors, like from a realtor to realtor standpoint, like just be true to your clients, be honest with them, um, be real with them. Don't, don't think like I have to get another deal done. Like, like we're fiduciaries for our clients. Like we're looking after our client's best interest. And so obviously when we sell a house or buy a house, we, we make our commission off of that. We don't make commission unless we sell a house. But I never want my clients to feel like they're, they're being imposed on like, they, like David's making them close on a house. Like right. they'll never feel that way from me. And so I always want to make sure they're making the right decision and just be patient. You know, if you're missing out on 30 houses, those 30 houses weren't right for you. That right one's just out there. You just haven't found it yet. And sometimes it's really hard to find it. But like, I mean, think of it like dating. Like, did you date one person and then you married them? Right. Like, how many people actually get to say that? Like, very few. Mm-hmm. Like, we've been on a lot of, a lot of dates. Like, I hope my wife's not listening to this. <laughs> um, she knows everything. But like, you, you, get to, you get a date. You get to yeah. date houses. And you get to find the right one. So sometimes you got you to gotta find a lot of frogs before you find that prince or princess kind of thing. And I think just remembering like what you said earlier about the fact that this is such a, it, it might seem small, but it's such a big piece in people's lives. You know, it, it's just a house, it's just a deal, but it's not. It's where they're getting married, they're having their family, or whatever the next phase of, you know, their life is. It's yeah. And just the sale. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, I want to be a part of the life. I want them to call me back and remember, like, that they worked with me to buy their house, that their friends are buying a house next, or, hey, we have a baby now and our one-bedroom apartment that we bought in DC isn't working anymore. We need, you know, a townhouse. We need a single family house. We're ready for that next step. So I hope they want to call me knowing that they had a good experience with me that last time. So I always want to be their like realtor for life. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Well, thank you so much, David. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your time. This is great. And uh, I hope everyone has a great day. And remember, if you're looking for a reliable inspection company, visit our website at protect-inspections.com and be sure to follow us on social media to learn more about our services. Protect's great. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.